Hello, everyone. It is Kirk Henderson and Josh Bowe coming to you once again for another episode of Mavs Moneyball After Dark. The Mavs are now 5-4 and four after defeating the Orlando Magic at home 112-98. Josh, how's it going? It is going pretty well, and I think I said in Slack... As we were watching this, and I think the Mavericks got off to a little, like a little bit of a sluggish start, like in the first like minute or two. <laughs> and I think I was like, you know, they're missing three starters and their sixth man, basically. Um, you know, one of their first guys off the bench. So really, at this point with the team, any win is a good win, even if it looks like garbage. But what turned out to be really nice about this game is it didn't look like garbage. They looked really good like this is this is a really good win to feel good about even if orlando's uh, roster is a disaster well let's let's talk about that real quick before we yeah. get into the game itself part of the reason why we were concerned coming into the game is the mavericks were now missing for at least the next probably two games potentially more depending on who and what occurs uh due to the covid 19 protocol and you know we don't really know much more than that three mavericks players are sitting out dorian finney smith Jalen Brunson and who's the last one? Richardson. Yeah, gosh, Josh Richardson. Uh, <laughs> and so it was. It was looking. You know, we, we were so excited after the Denver win, and then this happens, and you know, it's three of their top. You know, essentially seven ro- rotation guys, and the the Magic are 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 dealing with the loss of uh, of their point guard who had an ACL tear. Um, and so it, in Markel Fultz. And so it was, you know, looking like this, this could be kind of a trap game for Dallas. And instead what happened was the Michigan backcourt as, you know, somehow I just learned this tonight and it's just me not paying <laughs> attention despite not, you know, putting the, the numbers together and Trey Burke and Tim Hardaway combined to shoot 15 of 23 from three point range and just helped absolutely bury the magic the Mavericks shot 50 percent from distance 20 of 40 compared to 6 of 31 i can't <laughs> even do the math in my head that's plus 14 three-pointers so three times 14 is that's plus 42 on three-point shots and the mavericks just walk like they just they they didn't really play that like that complete of a game uh, it was just, you know, sp- specific spurts, uh, to end the second quarter and then to end the third quarter that really just put the magic away. And it was an interesting game. There's lots of things we could talk about. Where do you want to start? Yeah, I guess we have to start with Burke and Hart and Hardaway. I mean, uh, they, I mean, <laughs> it's crazy to think like how much of the offense I'm looking at the box score. It's just, I was thinking, I was like, man, the Mavericks haven't really got, you know, it's Hardaway and Burke, and I couldn't, you know, Luka got 20, but he didn't really have a good shooting game. Right. I mean, they had one, two, three, they had four players score in double figures, and you just look up and down the the lineup, and it's like they had two starter. The other starters besides Hardaway and Doncic combined for 11 points. Um they had 32 minutes of Wesley Wundu, who played a great game, but he scored zero points in those 32 minutes. <laughs> like, it's really a wild-looking box score, and it really goes to show how much those two guys kind of carried the team out of it because you were right. Uh, that third quarter run really got them into it, the end of the second quarter as well. And um, the, before that third quarter run, they looked 
ragged. They were not making any shots as evidenced by what we just talked about, how not really anyone else on the team scored. And then Hardaway just went insane. I think he scored 16 points in the third quarter, uh, just a massive effort. And Matt and Dallas only outscored Orlando 29 to 25 in the third quarter. So think about how, you know, they're only plus four in that quarter and Hardaway scores 16 points or something like he really willed them uh, to get that game under control for them. And then Burke just, well, he kind of came out of nowhere. I think he, he was scuffling a little bit before he missed that Denver game with illness. He really hadn't been shooting the ball well. And he looked like he did in that Houston game in the bubble. Just crazy. 11 to 13, 7 to 8 from 3. That was uh, that was wild. What was crazier was he wasn't hitting a lot of tough shots. The Magic could not find him. No. That was no. I can't uh, even believe how many open looks he got. Well, there, there, there's two things about that that you hit on that I want to talk about. First of all, and we should return to this later, the Magic really tried doubling Luka high, and it mm. did not work. <laughs> did not work at all. The second is that that Burke had eight made threes in the season and had seven tonight, <laughs> um, and that's just something that I, I kind of want to hang out with. It's it's really interesting. I don't like the Burke Brunson matchups. Everybody who has listened to me and followed me on social media, I think Burke and Brunson duplicate way too much, and as a result, neither is that fun to watch. Uh, and 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 honestly, I think that that the the if the defense doesn't suffer the offense, it, it certainly is, is a little, they just, they, neither really does much if they don't have the ball. So it's kind of like, I don't understand what the Mavericks were going for in having both of them. And, you know, maybe it's the, the, you know, the COVID type stuff. So it's, you, you just kind of want to hope to have redundancy on the roster to really worked out for the Mavericks tonight. But I don't know. It's, it's just one of these things that I'm, I'm, I'm going to be thinking about in the games without Brunson, because as much as I don't care for Brunson, I'm not this stupid. He's actually effective. But it feels like when I watch Burke play, and this goes back to the bubble, the Mavs just move a little bit faster because Brunson plays like Luka Jr., but not quite as good. And it just doesn't really work for, for me. And I, I think it's a lot. I think it's fairly predictable. So I'm going to be interested to see what happens over the next two to three games while Brunson remains out, as he you know uh, goes through whatever COVID protocol is related. Um, I, I just don't know what to do with that because it, it's it's this is you know when he, when a guy shoots 11 from 13, you have to do something with it, but it could just be a hot game, you know. Yeah, and uh, I think the biggest thing is that when you're thinking about Burke and you think about Brunson, and they are very similar, uh, Burke has proven uh, over the course of his career, like he is a more effective spot-up player just from the fact that I think he's a more reliable three-point shooter. Uh, I think Brunson hasn't really shown – he's not an awful three-point shooter, but, I I mean, he's been hovering around 35% for his short career. And I know Burke – Burke's percentage isn't that much higher, but Burke, I think, shoots shoots a little bit more and is a little bit more comfortable getting them off. Like Brunson really likes to get the ball instead of shooting a spot up three, he'll kind of dribble around or dribble into near the free throw line, which is fine. Like that's his game. But when you have both of them on the floor at the same time, or if you're trying to play one with Luca, um, that you know, if you're if you're looking at two similar score first point guards and one of them has the edge in spot up shooting you know with this the way this roster is constructed you probably want to play the one that that's has better spot up numbers a little bit more because you know you've got Luka and you've got a guy that creates three point shots better than basically everyone almost everyone else in the league so i think that's what i think that goes into it when you're watching these two and you seem to favor burke cuz 
I think he's just a much more proven shooter, and obviously he proved that in a big way. But it'll be, it'll be interesting to see it, how much the seven of eight inflates his numbers for like the next two weeks. So yeah, for, it's, oh yeah, it's, it's so early because when yeah. a guy only takes yeah, when a guy takes like two three point shots in a game, a game like tonight can just can just completely screw with the numbers. The you know, it, it's gosh, it's so funny. There's there's a lot of stuff we could talk about. These those were kind of the highlights. You know, Luca had a, a triple double, but he did not play a particularly efficient basketball. He could not get a foul to save his life. He only shot three free throws. There were a lot of non calls that he got persnickety about. Uh, but you know, the Mavericks were other Mavericks were hitting shots, so I think he just decided it wasn't his hill to die on. Uh, there are two, you know, the, the Mavericks stayed with kind of their big starting lineup and then they replaced Josh Green. I want to circle back to Josh Green, but for a second, I'd like to talk about Willie Cauley-Stein who had, he had six points and six rebounds and two assists. And against the Magic, it was a very indicative game of what I will refer to as the Willie Cauley-Stein problem in that the guy just in his career his lengthy career by now, because this is, you know, fifth or sixth season, he's not shown the ability to bring it night in and night out. I just, I understand why fans clamor for him. I was super excited with how, how I mean, he played uh, Jokic amazingly. Uh, the last seven minutes of that, that game, last game, he was really incredible, just stonewalled Jokic. And against the, the you know, the Magic tonight, he just kind of floated. And I don't know. It's it's we're just trying to buy time until until yes. uh, KP comes back. But it's it's still just this is why this is why people get frustrated because he's so much more talented and so much more athletic than Dwight Powell. But I just I see why why Carlisle constantly goes back to Powell because you watch Willie Cauley Stein make mistakes that should not happen for a person of his athleticism and ability. Yeah, I think um, the play that kind of summed it up for me was he – boy, he really let his rookie down, Josh Green, on that alley-oop play in the first half. Green oh, yeah. threw uh, maybe as good a pass as Luka could have thrown. Maybe not even Luka could have thrown a better one. And Willie missed it, and I've noticed he doesn't seem to – he's not a good dunker. Like, uh, he doesn't seem to finish well near the no, basket he's got, unless he he's – no Yeah, unless he's by himself um, or he gets a good – you know, rim roll, but if he has to, if there's someone kind of in the way in between him and the basket, it just doesn't seem to work out for him. And that alley-oop was just, man, like, I don't even know. I don't even know how he missed it. It's like he didn't jump high enough or something. Like it was really, it was really weird because like, it was, it was so weird that I think we had to wait for the replay to look at it because we're like, Oh, that must've been a, that must've been a terrible pass. And then they kind of showed the slow-mo replay and it's like, Holy crap. He put it right in front of the rim for him like he put it right on he put it right on the money and he missed it i don't want to harp on just one play but that just kind of feels like it's indicative of of kind of what makes him such a frustrating player to watch and then all that being said and you talk about you know i know pal you were not happy with the pal game tonight it's almost like they have no choice they kind of just have to roll out there because he's clearly just by the virtue of his athleticism and his and his height and his length He's just better by default as Powell uh, just doesn't look like the same guy anymore. So they kind of no. just, like you said, they kind of have to run out the clock until well, Kristaps comes back. For some reason, Carlisle won't play James Johnson at the five, which is a position Carlisle, or not Carlisle, the the Timberwolves played Johnson at quite a bit last season. And, I, you know, that's kind of a discussion for another day. 
But, you know, it, it is what it is. But, you know, you, you just you, you talked about Josh Green a second ago. I think we have to kind of talk about Josh Green. It's only one game. He's not played a ton of minutes. It, this should have been his opportunity to do something. And in 15 minutes, he was 0 for 1 with two rebounds. He was a negative six uh, plus minus. I was, you know, I didn't really keep a great look at the first half because I was eating dinner. He runs really hard, but for the guy who is billed as, you know, top-notch defender, I've seen him bite on pump fakes all the time. I am I will simply say that through nine games, I am dreadfully unimpressed with Josh Green. And obviously, there, there's still plenty of time to make that up. But, you know, when a guy taken after him and, and Tyrese Maxey went for 39 points tonight, I'm sitting here looking at what the Mavericks are doing with some of these choices, because if you're not going to put the rookie in a position to succeed, or if you're not going to, you know, Carl pulled green after that damn missed dunk in, yeah. I don't, you know, I, I said his fault. he's gone. He's gone because he threw the pass. It wasn't his fault, but you know, that's how Carl treats these guys. He lets, he lets his favorites, you know, get away with bloody murder for as long as they, you know, play. But if, if you get in Carlisle's doghouse once, you're done. And, you know, Wesson Wundu ended up playing a ton, and he had an okay game. But Wesson Wundu, I, I described him as Wesley Matthews, you know, ran through a fax machine six times. Like, I'm just not interested in seeing Wesson Wundu play right now. If there's an opportunity to develop green, that's what I'd like to see. Yeah, and I, I think the thing with green is, like, it's it just feels inevitable and with the way – uh, people talked about him coming out of the draft. It just, he always felt like he was going to be like year two, year three before we see okay. what he can do. Like, and I'm not like, I, I, you know, me and you are not the, the primo draft experts. And I won't tell you, I watched a ton of Josh Green footage, so I don't want to speak out my ass, but just, you know, talking yeah. to our draft experts and, and what other people are saying, it always felt like he was going to be a year away or if he wasn't a year away he needed to play a lot this year just because he just seems like a kind of guy that needs to get a lot of minutes and 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 just kind of work his way through because he's not you know he's you know maxi is a who had a great game with philly today like he's he's a ball hander scorer like that's his thing like he's gonna get the ball he's gonna get touches he's gonna get involved green is a off ball defender spot up guy like if he's not getting touches or if he's not getting open looks and if the ball doesn't the ball doesn't naturally come to him let's just say it that way so you would like to see him maybe force the effort because you know him and green one do and green both did not score and both missed all their shots but it's obvious a one do you know because he just forces the issue on the defensive end but a one is also in his fourth season so it just feels like green is going to be one of those guys that's just going to be a little bit of a late bloomer just from the fact that we know how Rick operates and we see how this roster is laid out and we know what kind of prospect green is. It just always seemed like a year two, year three move will, will be him. Like will be when he's good. Maybe, I don't, I don't know. It's only a couple games. So maybe something else happens and he gets more minutes and, and who knows yeah. maybe by the end of the season, he looks good, but you're sure. right. Like it, but you know, you can't, we can't just lie about what we're seeing in these first couple games. Like he's just been a non-factor. That doesn't mean yeah. we think he stinks or that he's not going to be good by the end of the season or by next season or whenever it's just that's just the simple truth and i think it's pretty evident i i would not be shocked if a one do is a starter for the next game while the rest while finney smith and richardson are still in the in the covid protocols and i and i'll 
I won't harp on it one to a lot because I know, like you said, he's someone. He's kind of just a guy, and then he's in his fourth year. He's a big guy. He's not six one. Yeah. He's not JJ Barea. So, yeah. like, there's, yeah. you know, he was playing hard. He was doing some stuff. Yeah. I don't mean necessarily about him being bad, in so much as I don't. I if if playing with Luca has to be challenging for anybody because when a guy has the ball that much, and if your responsibility on the offense is to stand until the right moment knowing when the right moment is is hard mm-hmm. and and i you know that just takes reps and i'm pretty sure this was the first time he's played with luca in an actual game and and you know starting him and putting him out there does him a little bit of a disservice frankly and you know it it's it's just it's it's very frustrating for me because you know the Mavericks people themselves are like, oh, Rick Carlisle has this has this unfair, unfair, you know, reputation about rookies. And it's like, does he? Is it that unfair? I don't think it's that unfair. I've watched enough basketball with Rick since 2008 to see to think this is how it would be. And and I don't know. I, I get a little frustrated about this sort of stuff because you know, you, you look around the league, you look at it. At, at that's Bay, what hurts. That's that's what hurts. You know, I, I get told, and I was told by Mavericks people, oh, you know, that at this point in the draft, it's all just a crapshoot. Understanding that from a big picture that that is true. When you watch and look around at what we're seeing, at the people that we were interested in, I didn't even want C- Sadiq Bay, but the guy's putting up numbers. He's doing stuff. I, you know, it, it's 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 just frustrating. It, it's it's. <laughs> Granted, think, the Mavericks are, are are winning, so it's frustrating in a very like micro sense. It's yeah, just something yeah. I I don't like being told that I'm wrong, only to watch and say, "Was I wrong? I'm not sure." <laughs> I I think it's the other the other guy. I think that's like if Green was doing this, but the guys that drafted around him were also not doing much. I think we'd right. be like shrugging our shoulders, but. Right, Sadiq Bay's doing stuff. Max uh, Maxi just dropped thirty nine points. Uh, Desmond Bain is making all of his three pointers seemingly for Memphis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's a starter for Memphis. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's tough. And I know those are, I, I know Maxi and, and Bain were obviously two guys that our staff really liked. Uh, Poku, yeah. Poku with Oklahoma city is wild ass right now for them, oh, yeah. but no, it's great. It's like watching yeah. rookie or Dirk when he was just doing like when, when, uh, Donnie Nelson was, uh, or I'm sorry, when Don Nelson was putting him at like the three, just yeah. like, like like all sorts of wild crap just to like see what would happen. Yeah. I don't know. Like harping about a rookie seems like missing the point for a team that has for a team that has, you know, potential title aspirations. But I I, I will say that the simple fact of, of why we're talking about this leads me to say that that the Mavericks are hoping and just doing their best to get back to to when Porzingis is able to play, you know, at least three out of every four games. And if they can get to that point and if they're playing around 500 basketball, I think we should all be, you know, pretty excited. If you're looking at at the way that the, the uh, standings are shaking out, everybody's still pretty tightly clumped together through 10 games. Uh, you know, the Suns are, are looking pretty good and the Lakers are looking pretty good, but it's a long, compact season. And so there's still a lot that can happen. And so if Porzingis doesn't come back until – I don't think he comes back until the Charlotte game. I don't think they want him banging against um, against New Orleans next week. Then, you know, it's it's all for the better. If, if they lose to New Orleans, it's 5-5, five and five, and then Porzingis comes back and it's a brand-new season, right? Like this is 
you just you know we got the Mavericks just kind of got to survive. Yeah, that's why. Like, I mean, the fact that they won by fourteen against the Magic team, I know that they're decimated, but the hell, they were what six and three coming into this game, so they're still pretty feisty. And Steve Clifford's a good coach, and he gets guys yeah. to play hard. So it, this wasn't necessarily a gimme, and they so considering all the all the players the Mavericks are losing as well right now. I mean. They're down their two best perimeter defenders, uh, and that, that's big with Finney Smith and Richardson. I know Richardson's been off to a weird start shooting ball, shooting the ball, but I think his defense has been pretty good. So, and the fact that they won without Luca like going crazy, like I was almost going to put this in our Slack and look it up because there was like four minutes left, and the Mavericks were up like twelve or fourteen with four minutes left, and Luca had sixteen points, and I was like, man, I don't, I need to research like how many times have the Mavericks since Luca's been drafted won by double digits and Luca didn't score 20. Like that's gotta be a, a microscopic number since his rookie season. Um, so yeah, uh, I'll just take it. Like you, you take every win right now and you just take it and you, you, you're thankful for it and you don't complain about it really. And then you kind of go on with your way. Cause uh, their, their roster is pretty decimated, but Kirk, you need to take a bow for the piece that you wrote before the preseason about how every roster spot, Oh, yeah. mattered and hey what's the one do the guy that some people were telling me that like they should cut jj berea for and it wouldn't be a big deal <laughs> 30 minutes plus 17 and a 14 point win yeah yeah and i think we're going to continue to see that because i was just looking at the roster and i was sitting here thinking what is it going to take for tyler bay to get on on board uh because he's he's you know he's like a rate for some reason he was people were calling him a a wing Tyler Bay is a four slash five man from what he's played in college. He's not a wing. Now he might be a wing when with, and, and so it's like with, with these sorts of things, I'm wondering what it's going to take for him to get on the floor. And, you know, and I'm just looking at the guys that didn't get minutes tonight and it's, it's, I'm not cringing if, if anybody else comes in, I mean, I cringe when Dwight Powell goes in for like pre-existing condition reasons, not because I'm, you know, wondering what's going to happen it's it's going to be something to see like this is obviously you don't want anybody to come down with with covid or even have to deal with the contact tracing but if there is a time for this to happen it is early in the season while the mavericks can are still figuring things out um you know before they develop kind of a team rhythm this is this is something because this is probably it's it's probably you know statistically speaking it's not going to be the last time the Mavericks have to deal with this this year. Right, you're right. So they got to so, be ready. So yeah. yeah, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if those three guys that didn't play tonight get some minutes, and there's going to be a point in the season where someone's got contact tracing, some couple of guys got bad ankles or a bad hamstring, and it's probably just going to happen. So yeah. everyone has to stay ready. Well, it's going to be an interesting game next because they play the New Orleans Pelicans. I'm pretty sure. I don't have the schedule up, but I'm almost positive here. And the Pelicans are giving up an unbelievable number of three-pointers and are guarding the rim like it's their life. So this is going to be that game. Just think ahead about this, everybody. That game is is either going to be un, like, like the Mavericks are going to run them off the floor or... <laughs> they're going to get the absolute shit kicked out of them. There is really, to me, there's really no in-between for this because the Pelicans are, are a odd basketball team at the moment, as, as far as I can tell. Yeah, especially if Kristaps comes back, that's going to make things very tough on them with Zion and Steven Adams. Uh, those guys, you know, I mean, I know Zion can get up to the three-point line, but it's, it's very obvious that they want to 
stick those guys close to the paint as possible. Yep. Well, as always, thank you for uh, tuning in to listen to us. We've had, uh, you know, kind of a, a, an uptick lately in our in our listenership. So if, uh, you know, you're one of the many new people who has tuned in, we appreciate you, uh, you know, following along. Please find us and subscribe on Mavs uh, Moneyball, wherever you get your podcasts. This has been uh, Josh and Kirk, and we will talk to you in a couple of days. Yeah.